So I'll just introduce myself again. So my name's Ashley. Um, some of you look familiar, some of you I know. I grew up in this church and I spent most of my life here. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to come back again tonight. Um, I am a mental health counselor, so, or a Christian therapist, um, however you wanna think of it. And so I currently work at a Christian private practice in Lima called Cornerstone of Hope. And so Pastor Tim asked me to come here um, last week and then tonight just to go over some mental health things, right? Because we all deal with those things and they're very important. So last week, if you were here with me, we talked about anxiety and we talked about stress. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. So tonight I said we were going to dive into depression. And so we have a lot to cover tonight. And so we are just going to just jump right into this. So, okay, guys. So if you can just for a minute, just kind of picture a line in your, in your head, okay? A line that's kind of like a scale, okay? So a lot of times our emotions take us from one end of the spectrum to the other, right? Like we're just constantly moving and shifting back and forth. And so last week we talked about anxiety. And when we feel anxiety, we're often taken to the fear of the future, the unknown. Remember that like feeling of doom that we feel coming upon us. When we feel depression, not every single time, but a lot of times we're then pulled to the other side of that line and we're, we feel depressed or oppressed by things of the past, right? Or maybe something very challenging that we're going through in the present moment. Depression comes as a result of negative experience that created a negative mindset about who we are and our ability to overcome it. So let's just kind of just, before we dive into scripture and things like that, let's just talk about what depression even is, okay? Or what it isn't. How do I know what it is, right? Because we hear depression a lot. But how do I know if I truly am going through that thing we call depression? So depression is not a bad day. Depression is not the same as just feeling sad. Depression isn't something that you just get over, okay? And depression is not a sign of weakness. Depression is a very serious crisis. And depression is not only serious, but also sometimes very life-threatening. Depression is a severe sense of hopelessness or helplessness. It's an intense feeling of sadness that is prolonged, and it gives you not only that helpless feeling or that hopeless feeling, but it also comes with feelings of very low self-worth. Like we just really start questioning everything about ourselves, right? And our self-esteem and our self-confidence seems to kind of dwindle. Other signs that maybe we are depressed and we're not just having a real bad day or just, you know, sad about something is we have changes in our appetite. Maybe we're sleeping too much. We're sleeping too little. We're very tired or very fatigued. Like maybe you're having trouble getting out of bed, not because you're lazy, but just because you are so mentally and emotionally worn down. Maybe things that you used to find fun or exciting or interesting, you don't have interest in those things anymore. They just don't do it for you anymore. Maybe you're having a hard time remembering things, concentrating, you can't focus in class. These might be some indications that, okay, maybe this isn't just a bad day I'm having, especially if these things are going on and they're intensifying for an extended period of time. I want to give you guys some statistics about depression, okay? So adolescents aged 12 to 17 had the highest rate of a major depressive episode, followed by young adults ages 18 to 25. 
So did you guys just hear that? So it's just like what we talked about last week with, with anxiety, right? So it's this generation. It's the kind of the generation between your generation and my generation and my generation as well. 30s on down. We are suffering so much from anxiety, stress, depression. Two-thirds of those who commit suicide struggle with depression. And this is a big one, guys. Suicide is the leading cause of death for 15 to 19-year-olds, right? Can we just all agree that this is just a really big problem, <laughs> right? Like, this is a big problem, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. And an important thing for us all to understand and know about depression is it's not going to look the way you think it does. Depression doesn't look the way it looks on commercials, the way it looks on the movies, or maybe it's portrayed in songs. Depression can look just the opposite. Someone who is severely depressed could dress nice, look nice, smell nice. They could smile. They could be very social. They could be the life of the party, right? But they could be completely broken and devastated inside. And it takes every ounce of strength that they have to put on that mask and fake it, okay? So, oh, just lost my place. So when we, sorry, I'm going to fix my computer, guys. Okay, so when we look, guys, at your age, teenagers, okay, what you all are in this room, or early 20s. So this is a time in life in what you're building, right? And so you, it's like you grow up and suddenly someone promoted you to construction manager over your own life, right? Maybe that's scary. Maybe it's exciting. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but a lot of pressure comes with that. So what is it that you're building? Well, okay, I'm building who I am. I'm building my, my character. I'm building maybe my reputation, my appearance, or how people perceive me. Maybe I'm building up my hopes and my dreams and goals, and I'm starting to you know, look towards the end of high school or even entering into college or the workforce. And I'm starting to dream about, okay, where do I want to live? What do I want to do? You know, do I want a big house? Who is it that I want to marry? And it's times that are exciting, but also kind of scary too. But one really dangerous thing that we do sometimes is we look at these things that we want to build up in our life, and we look to these things to give us fulfillment, these things to give us happiness. And unfortunately, a lot of us learn the hard way that sustained happiness doesn't come through the things in life that we often chase after, right? So... A lot of times we think, you know, if only I had this, I would be happy. If only I could date that really cute guy, then I'd be happy. If only I could grow up and make a lot of money, have a nice house, have a nice car, get out of my parents' house, whatever it is that you're thinking, then I would be happy, right? In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said that pretty much everything we chase after in this world is meaningless, he said, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and it hurries back to where it rises again. Have you guys ever heard of the quarter life crisis? Have you guys ever heard? Yeah, you have? Okay, awesome. So that's a real thing, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you. So if you haven't heard of it, a quarter-life crisis is what young adults have, okay, um, maybe around like the age of 25 or so. And 
young adults are going into just panic mode or devastation and depression because the things that they were chasing after to build up their life, they found, this didn't bring me happiness. Or maybe the things that I, the way I thought life was going to turn out, okay, life didn't really turn out that way for me. It maybe doesn't mean it's bad, but it's just different. So this quarter life crisis is a really big deal. And it's evidence to us that what? Happiness doesn't come from the things that we build and we chase in life. In fact, a lot of times an endless amount of just chasing and striving after these things in pursuit of happiness just leads us down a road of depression because we are empty at the end. And I don't even really like the word happiness, to be honest with you, because what does that mean anyways? Because to a lot of us, happiness means just do what you want. Just do what makes you feel good. If it doesn't make you feel good, then it's wrong, right? So we kind of live in this culture of this you do you, right? You be you, I'll do me, you do you, and we're all fine, right? You stay on your side of the fence, I'll stay on mine. You do your thing, I'll, and I will do mine. As long as it makes you happy, you're good. As long as it makes me happy, I'm good, right? Fulfillment in my life, though, will require me to submit to the will of God, and to say no to artificial gains. We talked about that last week. Do you guys remember that when we we're talking about artificial gains? The things that we seek to kind of mask that sense of void or that sense of emptiness in us. That's what that is. So are you feeling depressed about your life? Maybe here's a question you can ask yourself. What am I chasing after? Am I chasing after artificial happiness, artificial popularity, or, or success, and I stop chasing after the one who brings me lasting life and lasting fulfillment? Jesus isn't outdated, guys. And happiness does not come from who you're dating, how many likes you have, how many Instagram followers you have, and in a few more years, you'll find out it doesn't even come from money, houses, and cars. True, sustained happiness and peace in life can only come from Jesus. If we look into the Bible, the Bible tells us that depression is not a new thing. It may be much more prevalent now, but it's certainly not new. I want to give you a couple of examples of people who were depressed in the Bible. Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was chosen by God to proclaim truth. He had a lifelong battle of depression and sadness. In fact, he wrote in an entire book about his sorrow called Lamentations. Have you guys ever read the book of Lamentations? Yeah, it's a little bit of a downer. In Lamentations 2.10, Jeremiah said this, I have cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. Jeremiah writes in the Bible that he's cried so much there's, there's nothing left to come out. Is that something you guys have ever had? I mean, does that sound familiar? I know that sounds a little familiar to me. Have you ever been so mentally and emotionally exhausted and drained that I don't even think I have the strength to cry about this, right? That's what Jeremiah was feeling. Job. Job is another one. Some of Job's writings are a little depressing as well. In Job 30, 16 through 20, he says this, Depression haunts my days. At night, my bones are filled with pain, which gnaws at me relentlessly. With a strong hand, God grabs my shirt. He grips me by the collar of my coat. He has thrown me into the mud. I'm nothing more than dust and ashes. I cry to you, oh God, but you don't answer. I stand before you, but you don't even look. Wow. Have you guys ever related to Job? 
I mean, Job not only felt that feeling of sadness, but he felt completely isolated and alone that even God himself, he felt, has turned his back on him. I want to go and tell you about Elijah. Now, Elijah, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. Um, so I'm going to lay out some history, so bear with me. For time's sake, I'm not going to read the story, but I'm going to reference scripture, okay, guys? Um, hang with me for a minute, okay? So Elijah enters the scene during the time that Israel had neglected God's commands and they were worshiping idols. In Leviticus 26, God said that if the Israelites obeyed him, they would have an abundance of rain and prosperity. Like, life would be really cool and awesome. But during this time, Israel was led by Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel, they were just an evil pair. And they had led a lot of people into worshiping idols, okay? So Elijah, that's who we're talking about here. Elijah was a prophet. So he was chosen by God to do something cool, okay? So he was tasked by God to tell the king that there would be no rain because of Israel's disobedience. So he did that, and that message was followed by a three-year drought. Now, fast forward three years, God tells Elijah, hey, guess what? It's time to go back to Ahab again with a new message. So he goes, and when Elijah returns and confronts the evil king Ahab and challenges him, he challenges him to basically a spiritual showdown. He said, hey, guess what? You get all of Israel together, we're going to go to Mount Carmel, and 450 prophets of your false god Baal and 400 prophets of the false goddess will come, and you build an altar of sacrifice, and I'll build an altar of sacrifice. But the trick here is this. You can't light fire to it, and I won't light fire to mine. We'll see whose God provides the fire. Are you guys with me here? Okay. So what do you think happened? You probably already know, right? So the prophets of Baal had no results. They were trying and they were trying. It's actually a kind of cool action-packed story, guys, if you want to go back and read it in 2 Kings 18 later. Um, but they were losing their minds, okay? Like they actually started like slashing themselves with swords because their God, Baal, did not come through. But our heavenly God, right, the one true only God, he followed through. And he came through for Elijah in an incredible way. Okay, and he brought the fire down from heaven and lit Elijah's altar. Elijah saw God do the most incredible things, right? Like he just basically witnessed the impossible made possible. You would think he'd be on a pretty good Jesus high, right? That'd be cool if he was, but unfortunately he wasn't. Because after all this went down, that evil queen Jezebel, she wasn't happy. And so she basically put a bounty out for Elijah and she wanted to take him down. All right? She did not want him to survive one more day, and so she was after him. And so Elijah, who had just witnessed a miracle and was used by God in just a, such a cool way, he became fearful for his life, and he fell into a place of despair. 1 Kings 19 tells us that Elijah runs away and isolates himself in that place of despair. So he's afraid for his life, and he begins to suffer. In the midst of that suffering, Elijah reaches the point that he doesn't even want to live anymore. He sat down, it says in First uh, Kings 19.4, it says he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, 
for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Let's just let that set in our minds a little bit, guys, okay? So Elijah was a prophet, okay? Really cool things just happened, the kinds of things that you would get, you would go viral on, on your Instagram, okay? That's what happened to Elijah. And suddenly he was gripped with fear and despair and depression. And he said, God, I've had enough. I don't even want to take one more breath. I don't even want to live this life one more day. What does that tell us? It tells us a few things. One thing is, guys, depression could happen to absolutely anyone. And I mean anyone. It does not mean that it will happen to everyone. But it means any one of us could fall into that trap, right? We could be walking along and things happen in life and all of a sudden we fell and we slipped into a pit and we don't know how to get out of it. That could happen to each and every one of us. It does not matter who you are. So what contributed to Elijah's depression? We can speculate the meaning, meaning the scripture doesn't really lay out 100% for us what Elijah was thinking and feeling, but I think we could speculate a few things. One, Elijah responded to the conflict he was having by withdrawing. He retreated to a place of loneliness. Have None of us have ever done that, right? When you're having a bad day or you're going through something difficult in life, do you ever just like lock yourself away in your room? Like, I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to hear anyone. Yep, I'm canceling my plans for the weekend. Yep, mom, I'm not coming down for dinner. I mean, I know I did that when I was younger and I can do that now, right? Sometimes that's our reaction is we retreat and we withdraw. And sometimes we even withdraw from God himself. Another thing I think Elijah did was Elijah was focused on the giant in his life or the obstacle, the conflict, whatever you want to consider that to be. It may have only been for a moment, but he looked away from God long enough to get his eyes off of God to where his problem became bigger than the God that he served. I'll let you go back and read the rest of the story, but if you get to 1 Kings 19, It says that God whispered into Elijah's spirit and he reminded him that he didn't walk alone. So what did we read last week, guys, in Psalms 23? Do you guys remember that? In Psalms 23, we read that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's the same thing applies here. That even though we walk through those deep, dark valleys and it feels like we're walking alone and it feels like nobody understands our pain, maybe I don't even understand my pain, and it feels like I'm never coming out of this. But it's often in those moments where we feel the most alone and we feel the most broken, that's when God comes into the scene and he does the most work in us, right? Do you guys remember what we said that analogy last week about the house? I will retell it for those of you who weren't here. So we talked about how if you've ever seen on the news or internet before a picture of a home that was completely devastated by a hurricane, a tornado, a fire, something like that, right? Well, before that storm came, the home was pretty decent. It was in good shape. It was a nice place to live. And then a storm comes and it demolishes it to pieces, like complete rubble, okay? Oh, All right, guys, let's just pray for a second, okay? Let's just pray quietly to ourselves. 
Okay, guys. So we're going to keep going, okay? So we're talking about how even when we feel alone and we feel the most broken, those are the times when God has us in his grip, but sometimes we fail to see it because we're so blinded by the emotions that we're in, right? So listen, guys, I know, I know that I know that I know that life is hard. Even on a good day, life can still be hard and life can still be challenging. Disappointments happen. Families fall apart. Rejection happens and people turn their back on us. Tragedy happens and we are left picking up the broken pieces. This is a world of physical sickness, mental and emotional pain. And my goodness, guys, it just feels like the world has completely lost its mind. I mean, not 48 hours ago, we had a tremendous tragedy in our country, did we not? I mean, this world is insane. And so it's really hard not to get even caught up in that sometimes and feel anxious, feel stressed, feel worried, overwhelmed, and sad and scared, right? God called Elijah out of his place of despair and pulled him into his presence. And I do believe that God is pulling some of us tonight, maybe out of our place of despair, and wants to pull us back into his presence, just like he did for Elijah. So I have one more story that I want to share with you guys, okay? So this story is not a story of someone in the Bible. This is a story about a girl that grew up in church. Uh, she grew up going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and volunteered to be part of pretty much everything that she could. In a lot of ways, she thought of herself as a leader. But there were things on the inside that she was fighting very hard to hide. Hurt, pain, trauma, she held it under lock and key. And most of the time, she did a really good job of hiding her feelings. There were moments that she thought about asking for help, but she would quickly talk herself out of it, out of fear that she would sound weak or crazy. This girl grew up. She graduated high school. She graduated college, and she got married. She did all the right things but she was still tormented inside. And the funny part is that by this point, she had no idea why. She had become so good at lying to herself and to others that the pain was creating confusion in her mind. At the age of 24, things got more intense for her. There were major life things going on that kind of triggered those things that she was hiding and running from nearly all of her life. Suddenly things came to a surface and everything that was hidden in the dark was being brought into the light and it was really scary and it was too much. I can't do this. She would literally say out loud to herself over and over again. She was ridden with rejection, emotional abuse, and shameful memories of molestation and things that she had tried to forget for years, but it wasn't working anymore. Everything came to the surface and she had no choice but to confront the darkness that she was running from. She knew she needed help to sort this out, but still she was fearful of being rejected and seen as weak. This girl eventually became hopeless. She started having thoughts that she never imagined she would have. She started to think that maybe it would be better off if I wasn't even here. In fact, she started to bargain life in her own mind. One day her thoughts were so intense that she scared herself and she came home and she, she threw every pill down the drain and got rid of anything that she could have been used to hurt herself. She broke down. She fell down on her bathroom floor and began to scream at God, literally screamed until her throat was raw. She found out in that moment that she wasn't as tough as she thought she was. 
and getting help was no longer an option, but a lifeline. So very reluctantly, she started therapy. It didn't start off necessarily great. And there was one more very close encounter where she seriously contemplated taking her life. But the Lord intervened. With time, patience, honesty, and a whole lot of prayer, she found a breakthrough. And that breakthrough led to healing and complete restoration. If you haven't figured it out yet, that girl in the story was me. Okay? And I tell you my story for a very good reason. My story isn't a story about pain, but my story is a story about healing and about hope. Okay? Depression is a very real thing. Depression is intense, and it's way, way, way too common in the world that we live in. But depression doesn't have to be your identity. It doesn't have to be this thing that you're trapped in and you can't escape, and it doesn't have to be where your story ends. Depression was my enemy. It was almost the end of my story, but now it's my testimony. Psalm 24, 17 says that when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And this is my favorite part. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Deuteronomy 31, 8 says that it is the Lord that goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be fearful or dismayed. I like that one a lot too, guys, because think about that. It is the Lord who goes before you. I mean, sometimes we just read these words and we don't let them sit in. I want you to let that, let that sit in. Whatever you're fearful about right now, whatever you're facing right now that has you broken or despaired or anxious or nervous or sad or frustrated, whatever it is that you're feeling, did you no, or did you forget that God himself goes before you? I think I mentioned the verse last week that says, God goes before us like a blazing fire. So if you could just picture that, he blazes the way before you. And so he has your future in the palm of your hands. He's not blind to what you're feeling or what you're experiencing right now. John 10.10 10 says that a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And Isaiah 41 says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, will mount up on wings like eagles, they will run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So if you're here tonight and you're, as you're listening to me talk and you're thinking, yeah, you know what, I kind of struggle with that depression thing. What should I do? Well, a few things. One, we need to be honest with ourselves. God cannot heal the things that we keep hidden the things that we keep under lock and key, we have to bring it out and we have to bring it to him. And that starts with being honest with ourselves. Have being depressed, being anxious, these do not make you weak. They do not make you less spiritual. They make you human, right? And confronting it and being honest with it makes you all the more the stronger. And when you reveal that and you let God heal it, you become even more powerful, right? The second thing, that we need to do is to get wisdom. Go to God, go to your parent, go to your pastor, go to a counselor even, right? And third, we talked about this last week with anxiety as well, is we need to fight the lie, right? 
We mentioned how emotions are real, but they often lie to us, and they tell us things that aren't true about our circumstances and about our situation. Our emotions will often tell us that this is too big, this is too great, you can't do this, you'll never get out of this, you'll always feel like this, you're always going to be hurting, this is always going to be an issue. That is a lie straight from the devil. And so what do we do? We fight the lie with the truth. And it's so cool that as Christians, the truth for us is grounded in the word of God, right? What better truth is there? And so we seek him and we surrender to him. And don't get weary and don't stop chasing your healing. Like we said last week, sometimes we have those moments with God where, you know, we're healed in the instant and I tend to call them like those burning bush moments, right? Like Moses had. And those are really cool when they happen, but more often than not, it doesn't happen like that. It's a process. And it's God leading us through that gentle voice and that gift of discernment and wisdom, just gently nudging us, right? The other thing I want to make sure I mention tonight about depression is there's nothing, sometimes we can look at maybe what we're going through and we might say, I just don't feel like this should be that big a deal. Like we belittle what we're going through. And so we tend to hide it and hold on to it even more because we think, well, my situation or my pain isn't as big as theirs. And when I look at them, yeah, they have a reason to be depressed. But God, I don't think I have a reason. I think I'm just weak and I need to just get over it. That is completely not true. Thinking that way is just going to cause you to do what? Just hold on to it all the more and cling to it, right? It's going to be your buddy that you walk along with. No. We need to confront it and look it in the eye and admit to ourselves what our struggle is. So I didn't talk as long tonight because I was hoping um, we can maybe just spend a little more extra time in prayer than we did last week. Okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to just kind of pray over all of you. Okay? And then... I'm going to hang out up here for a while. And if you want individual healing about something or if you have a question about anything that I talked about tonight or talked about last week, I'd love to answer your question. Good deal? Okay. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Lord, I just thank you, Jesus, for just your word, Lord. And I thank you for your truth, God. And I thank you that your word is forever, Lord, and it does not fade away, Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus that you are our source of strength. When all else fails us in this world, Lord, you are the constant, Lord. You are the never-changing God that we serve. And we thank you right now, Jesus, for just intervening into our lives, into our minds and our souls, God. And I thank you for meeting each and every individual where they are tonight, God. I thank you, Father God, for helping them reveal those broken pieces, Lord, that you want, Lord, you want to get a hold of and you want to restore, Jesus. I thank you for giving us wisdom and giving us courage and boldness to confront these things, God. And I thank you for giving us perseverance, God, just to weather the storms of life, God, and reminding us that you go before us and you take us to the other side. And I thank you for just blessing each and every heart and each and every mind in here, Lord. In your name we pray.